minutes till service, guys. Grab a seat, grab a friend, sit down, and let's do this.
doing? Good, good. Well, hey, we're your service hosts tonight. My name's Liv. My name's Brittany. And we're so stoked that you guys are here. So, hey, we're going to hop into a few announcements. So our first one, uh, before we hop into anything, just make sure to turn off your airdrop. But while you have your phones out, if you don't follow us on social media, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BridgeYTH underscore. And you can stay up to date on all the latest. Also, if you're only here on Wednesdays, you guys are missing half of the party because we also have connect groups on Sundays Woo! at 1130, so you guys don't want to miss it. We also have summer camp coming up. Who's been yeah, to summer camp? That's going to be so Let's lit. Go. I can't wait. Bro, I was saying in our leader meeting that summer camp is like my personality trait. I freaking love summer camp. It's so good. So, hey, if you still haven't signed up, make sure to sign up. I believe our girl spots are done, but you can still join the wait list if you want to. You're more than welcome to do that. It's July 17th through, or through Thursday, July 20th. So sign up. You want to be there. Also, next week we are having snow cones. Woo! Oh, my gosh. I remember during kids camp, I kids had at camp. least like... 10 so snow many. cones in like For one breakfast. day. No, they're so good. But yeah, you guys don't want to miss that. So try to be here early so that way you guys can get one. Try to be here at six. And we have a cool thing coming up for our church. It's called Summer Nights. And our first one is going to be a movie night this Friday at the church. Woo-hoo. It's at 6.30 and we'll be having popcorn for everybody. And then candy and drinks will be for sale. Do you know what movie we're watching? Where... Oh. I think it's a surprise. I think you guys gotta show up. <laughs> yeah, you guys just have to be there. Watching. It's a great family movie. That's all I can say. Also, another way we worship God is by giving, by bringing our tithes and offerings. So you can go ahead and give online, or you can also give right in the back by the double doors back there. And hey, here at Bridges, we love meeting new people. So hey, everybody, stand up, stand up, get your feet, stand up. And hey, meet somebody new and hit them with this question. In honor of 4th of July, I have to ask, do you guys choose hamburgers or hot dogs? Hot hamburgers dogs, or hot dogs or cheeseburgers?
Bridge Youth. How you doing tonight? Whoa, 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 whoa. That was like a, yeah. Um, Bridge Youth, how are you doing tonight? Okay, that's a little better. You're awake now. Hey, it's so good to be with you guys. We missed you last week. So many of you were serving at our kids camp and we are so grateful for you. But we have youth tonight. We have some good stuff happening tonight and we are so excited about that. And so we are going to go straight into the message first and we're gonna do worship later. And uh, we've been doing that for a few weeks and we like that and so we're kind of flipping it around a little bit, kind of changing things up, freshening it up in a little bit. And um, so if you need to use the restroom, you gotta do any of that, do that after service because God wants to speak to you tonight. Who's ready for God's word tonight? Okay. All right, I'm feeling like you guys are like finally waking up. It's Wednesday night, we're Bridge Youth, we get a little crazy, so we gotta be ready for God's word. And so before we get into God's word tonight, we always want our students to pray. It's not just about adults leading, it's about our students leading right now. So I'm gonna ask Lila to come up here and she's gonna pray before we get into the message. So everybody, let's get ready to pray. All right, Lila. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all these students in this room right now, God. I pray that you would speak through Corey and his message tonight, God, that you would just put your words into his mouth, God, that he would just speak your word into this crowd. I pray that all these students in this room would know how loved they are and that they're here for a reason and that they're not here on accident, God. I pray that we would all just have a great time tonight and that everyone would have the best time ever. And in your name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, tell the person next to you it's going to be a good night. Okay. What's up, Bridge Youth? How you guys doing tonight? You guys good? Oh, I thought those were car keys. I was about to give away a free car. They're not. They're just like these organizational clips, so I'll give those away instead. Who, wait. And there's an Iron Man. What do they call the things they put on a... Uh, no, I know what a keychain is. No, the things they put on Crocs. What do they call those? Gibbets. Is it a GIF or a GIF? It's a GIF? Is it? I thought the guy who like created them said it was Jif. This is an Iron Man gibbet. Is what they call him? Gibbet. It's an Iron Man gibbet. So, here you go. Well, rest in peace, Iron Man. I was kidding. I don't know who that is, but you can have it, I suppose. And here's a clip for you, Kaylee. There you go. Catch. Great catch, girl. Um, you guys good? How you doing? You great? Awesome. Who's uh, who's been to the beach already this summer? Bro, I've not been to the beach yet. I've not, and every time I watch that bumper video, I'm like, I need to go to the beach. Uh, 
Hey, I just want to say really quick, um, number one, uh, you should go sign up for summer camp. It's going to be the best week of summer. It's going to be awesome. Uh, guys, there's still a handful of spots. Ladies, talk to Amber if you want to get on that wait list. Um, it's going to be a great, great, great week. Number two, day after tomorrow, uh, in two days, look at your neighbor say, two days. Not two day, but in two days. Uh, we got our movie night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them what movie we're watching. I can't, right? It's not, wait, you said, it said Watching Mario Brothers, and I've not seen it yet. And I'm a huge Mario fan. Like, I grew up playing Mario 64, absorbed so many hours of my life, dude. So many. Uh, and so I'm pumped. Also, uh, if you want to see Wyatt and myself dressed up as Mario and Luigi, you're going to want to be there on Friday. So, um, by the way, if the day after 4th of July, uh, you are here in church and not like on vacation or at the beach or on the lake and you're here in church. Uh, like if Jesus comes back tonight, we're all going first, okay? All the people at the beach are going to have to wait like 10,000 years. So <laughs> they'll be back next week. Uh, but hey, if you're brand new, and uh, I've actually met a couple of people who've never been to Bridge Youth before. Uh, we like welcoming our guests every week by saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, we love you. We back you. Thanks so much for coming and hanging out. In the summer, here you are giving some of your time to come and hang out with us. We think that's so, so, so cool. All right, uh, let's jump straight into the message tonight. Tonight, we are in week number four. Somebody say four. All the golfers just ducked, and everybody else doesn't get that. Uh, we are week number four of our series entitled Essentials. Somebody say Essentials. And uh, this whole series has been about digging uh, deep into the foundational things of faith. And tonight, this is what we're going to talk about. If you're taking notes, write this down. Write these three words down. God is real. Look at your neighbor. Say, God is real. We're going to be talking about God's existence tonight. Quite possibly the most fundamental thing we could talk about. We are going to talk about how God is real. Um... If you don't know me, uh, you wouldn't know this about me. If you've heard me preach more than five minutes, you'll know this about me. I'm, a, I'm like a huge nerd. Like, I'm super nerd. Where's, where's anybody else who would be like a self-professed nerd? Like, you are a nerd. You love nerdy stuff. Okay, let me say it like this. Who loves Star Wars? Anybody love anime? Yeah, you're a nerd. Okay, this, this, like, you might not know that this qualifies you as a nerd, but who plays video games? Nerd, 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 nerd. Give me your lunch money, you nerd. <laughs> You're a nerd. Like I'm, I'm such like I'm such a nerd. Like if you've ever walked into my office, my office is like, it's literally Star Wars, anime, Marvel, sharks, one Harley Davidson thing because I had to do something cool. Like had to. So I tied an American flag to my Harley Davidson yesterday and went on a ride. I actually did that because America, baby, USA, USA, USA. History began in 1776, baby. Um, but uh, also Jesus did die on the cross 2,000 years before that. That's also awesome. Um, like, I'm such a nerd. I love nerdy stuff. Lately, um, I've become obsessed with the pyramids of Egypt. Like, I know an ungodly amount 
about the pyramids? Anybody know anything about the pyramids in Egypt? Like anybody ever like go down the rabbit hole of YouTube learning? The pyramids of Egypt are so fascinating. When I say the pyramids, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the, the great pyramid of Giza and those around it, where the Sphinx is at. It is incredible. And maybe what captivates me the most about the pyramids is the mystery surrounding them all. The pyramids are a mystery, and that might be what I love the most about them. There's so many questions. Who built them? Why did they build them? When did they build them? How did they build them? What, like, what is in all of the chambers within the pyramids that we haven't accessed yet? Because if you don't know, we have not accessed all the chambers within the pyramids and have no clue what's inside some of those uh, chambers. How have they stood the test of time? They've, they've been around for so long and have stood the test of time so well that there's actually been a saying created around them that's man fears time, time fears the pyramids because they've stood the test of time so well. How did they accomplish building something so incredibly precise and magnificent around, they think, 4,500 years ago? How did they get the more than get this? Let's get real nerdy. How did they get the 2,300,000 limestone and granite and granite stones? How did they get them to this location? Because they were developed in a quarry hundreds of miles away. So you know what the most common theory is? They dragged them. <laughs> Okay, well, here's a problem with that. On average, these 2,300,000 lime and limestone and granite blocks, they weighed about two and a half tons each. There's over two million of them. So how did they get them there? Also, um, how did those who built the pyramid have the information they ingrained in the pyramids? This is where it gets, like, borderline creepy. It gets crazy, the things that they knew and they ingrained into these pyramids. The Great Pyramids, first off, the Great Pyramid of Giza, it faces true north. It faces true north within, within 360th of a degree. And I know what you're probably thinking. Easy. They just used the compass. Except for the fact that the compass wasn't created for another 2,000 years after the pyramids were built. It's like, to me, like fascinating. The pyramids also seem to be at the exact center of the landmass of earth. It seems that the builders of the pyramids also knew, they figured out some stuff that we've only figured out in the last hundred years or so. For example, seems that they knew the distance between the earth and the sun because the distance between the, the earth and the sun is built into the exact height of the pyramids. It also seems that the Great Pyramid of Giza, to the same scale model equation used to, to come up with the distance between Earth and the Sun, it seems like they also knew both the circumference and the polar radius of Earth. You might be like, I don't know what circumference or polar radius is. Um, I think David, uh, David, are you on are you on tech? Are you on iMac? Everybody give it up for David, my guy. Oh, there it is. The pyramids, get this, and, and, and don't forget, this was 4,500 years ago when people still thought that earth was the center of the universe and flat. It seems the Egyptians knew the, the polar radius from the center to the top of the earth. They knew that distance because the, the uh, pyramid's height is exactly that distance. And then the circumference of the earth 
is also laid out in the circumference of the pyramids. Like, how would they have known this 4,500 years ago? They didn't have Google. And yet they built it all into these equations. The biggest question of all of them, obviously, is, is who built them? Who built the pyramids? The most common belief is, is, is it was a workforce of over 20,000 men over a few decades. But it gets, the theories get so wild that they, they, some people speculate it must have been aliens because of how precise they are, how incredible they are, how massive and magnificent they are. But there's one, there's one um, theory that nobody believes. And that's the theory that they just built themselves. You know, that's the theory that, like, the wind just got strong enough to, I don't know, like, blow enough sand on top of each other to create these pyramids. And if anybody ever suggested that, they'd be thought to be a fool. Because the pyramids are so complex. And yet the pyramids, in comparison to the universe, are incredibly simple. And nobody would ever believe that the pyramids came into existence on their own. And yet we believe that Earth and the universe and us all just came into existence all on its own from nothing? That is crazy. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But here's your sermon in a sentence. If you're taking notes, write this down. God is real, and he really wants a relationship with you. Somebody say amen. God is real. Look at your neighbor. Say, God is real. Now look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, and tell them, and he really wants a relationship with you. That is like the whole message summed up. God is real, and he really does want a relationship with you. So tonight we're going to dig into God's existence, and I want to accomplish just a few things, just a few things. Um, does anybody else, by the way, I'm going to just have like an argument with my wife in front of everybody right now, okay? This is terrible advice for all the young men in the room. When you say like a couple, do you always mean two who says no? Who says when you say a couple, you mean two always? Dude, that's like 50-50. Let me give you my advice. Not my advice. Let me give you my perspective. The example. Um, yo, can I get a couple fries? I'm not taking two fries. Like minimum four. Maybe five. I, here's the thing. This is how prideful guys are. This is how prideful dudes are. Ladies, if you, I'm giving you a sneak peek into the rest of your life if, if you get married. If, when, hopefully, when, if. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll be single your whole life. <laughs> Levi, you laughed. So I didn't even know where you were at, Levi. And I knew that that was your, your laugh. You won't be single your whole life, Levi. I promise. I think. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I'm praying for you. <laughs> Where what was I saying? Oh, I'm giving you a, a sneak peek into like what married life will be like for you ladies. This is how prideful men are. Liv just said, you're wrong. I know I'm wrong. I actually know I'm wrong about this. But I'm kind of right. <laughs> like, I know couple means two. I know. I know that couple means two. But also, like... I don't use it that way, all right? When I say I want a couple fries, I'm taking four or five. I want to accomplish a couple things tonight. <laughs> and by couple, I mean three. <laughs> um, <laughs> Amber, in front of God, Bridge Youth, all these people, and the millions of viewers on YouTube right now. <laughs> 
you are right and I am wrong. <laughs> but I'm kind of right. <laughs> um, a couple things I want to accomplish. Uh, number one, if you're a believer in the room, like if you believe in God, you believe in Jesus, um, the first thing I want to accomplish is hopefully, uh, hopefully just like bring some strength and encouragement to your faith. That like God is real. Because here's the thing. We all have doubts. You're not alone in that. And we all once in a while lay awake at 3 o'clock in the morning thinking, what if God's not real? And then you wake up the next morning like, hey, you idiot. You've seen God in your life so many times. There's no way. Like, God is so real. So hopefully, in the midst of, like, the shred of doubt that we all have still, I bring some strength and encouragement to your faith. Number two, I hope that if you're a believer, um, each of my points tonight isn't just a point in a sermon, but it will be a... um, a talking point, maybe a, a solid argument for not just your faith, not just a way in which you could defend your faith, but also God's existence. And I don't say a, a solid argument for the sake of being argumentative, but for the sake of defending your faith and for God. Um, number three, I hope to accomplish, if you're in this room and you are an atheist, or maybe you're watching online and you would, you would identify as an atheist, first off, thank you so much for being here. Like, you are totally welcome in this room. You're family to us if you're in this room. That's the only rule. And we think it's so cool that, like, even though we might not see eye to eye on all of the beliefs that we have, that you would still come and be a part of our community. We think that's awesome. I just hope that tonight in this message, um, I get you to kind of pull the God thread. What do you mean, Corey, the the God thread? You ever see a thread on your shirt and you like pull it and then like the whole shirt starts coming with it and you're like, if I keep pulling this thread, I'll be naked. (laughs) You know, like when you just have like, you see, and you just pull a little bit and then so much more comes with it. I think that when our, our imagination and our hearts are like open to what God, like just the possibility that maybe God's real and we pull that thread, so much more comes with it. So those are the couple of things I hope to accomplish tonight. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? We're just reading one verse tonight. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. If you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. If you have a Bible app and you want to see the same translation. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the Sky Bible. So don't trip chocolate chip. Here it is. It says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. It is impossible to please God without what? Faith. It is impossible to to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God what? Exists. There it is. You must believe that God is real. It's foundational. It's fundamental. It's first things first. Anyone who comes to God, they must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And that's what we're going to do tonight is seek him. Before you sit down, let's pray. God, you're so good. I pray that you would speak to us tonight, God. And I pray that in Jesus' name, right here, right now, in front of all these people, God, and we're going to be in agreement on this, that you would prepare your football team, the Las Vegas Raiders, to be at least decent, God, at least decent. Now, just a winning record, even if it's by one game next year. Please, God, help Jimmy G to not be a total flop. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, pray for me. I'm a Raiders fan. You know what that means. I suffer from depression. <laughs> um, who's ever heard of the, the concept of blind faith? 
Whenever I hear the concept of blind faith. So like blind faith is sort of this, like you guys remember trust falls? Like you had to like turn around and you fell. Like trust falls were like a really, really cool and fun thing for girls. For guys, it just destroyed our friendships because half the time we're not catching you. We just want to see you get hurt. Why? Because you're my friend. Why would you want to see your friend get hurt? I don't know. We're guys. We eat dirt and stuff, you know. Um, I remember this moment of like blind faith where it was the first time that uh, I'd ever got a hot stone massage. Has, anybody, has anyone ever had a hot stone massage? We're getting bougie up in here. It was a couple's massage. Amber had, like, booked this uh, cute little couple's massage, and she was like, oh, like, we're in for it. We had had couple's massages before, but, we're like, never a hot stone massage. And so I was like, oh, in for a treat, Corey. We're getting a hot stone massage. I'm thinking to myself, like, who am I? I grew up in East Riverside on welfare. Like, I remember hearing gunshots at night. Now I'm getting hot stone massages. Like, Temecula has changed me, man. I don't lock the front door. We kept leaving the garage door open for months. I'm like, what has become of me? I get, I get frustrated at the barista for getting my order wrong now. Like, what's happened to me? <laughs> um, so we're getting this hot stone massage, right? And, and they kind of, like, do half the massage, and then, like, the, the masseuses, the massa- mas- massagers sounds wrong. <laughs> the masseuses, the masseurs, the masseurs, uh, it's French, guys, all right. <laughs> they go, like, oh, we're going to get the, we're going to go get the hot stones now. And we're, like, oh, sick, cool. So they go, they get the hot stones, you know, you kind of, like, just, you know, like, the, who's ever, even if it's not hot stone, who's ever got a massage before? So, like, you know, like, your face is in that thing. You can never, like, get it, like, get the, your face in the holder thing, right? Like, you're always shifting, and, like, you can't barely breathe. God forbid you have a runny nose, because that's going to be all over the floor. But you're, like, face down, so you kind of can't see anything. So you sort of hear them leave the room, and then you sort of, like, hear them, like, walk back in. You sort of have this blind faith that those are still the masseurs, masseurs masseuses. God knows who it is. It could be anybody because you don't dare lift your head out of the thing to check and make sure. It could be the janitor coming in. The rest of your massage was just the. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So anyways, they come back in. They're getting the hot stones ready. And I remember the moment. That the, the, like, they take two stones and they start you with two stones that they sort of place on your back. And I remember them putting the stones on my back to which I responded with, ah! Ah! internally, like not externally because I'm a man and I hide my pain. You know what I mean? Like, whatever happened to the good old fashioned, take all your pain and your hurt and just shove it deep down inside, you know, and never let it out. <laughs> like, so that's what I do. Internally, I'm like, Oh my gosh, they overcooked my stones. <laughs> this is what's going on in Corey's head in the middle of this massage. I'm like, they've overcooked my stones. These stones have been cooked at too high of a temperature. My stones are far too hot. These stones are like Anakin in episode three on Mustafar after his lightsaber battle with Obi-Wan. <laughs> I hate you. Only the nerds are catching that. It is Anakin Skywalker on Mustafar on my lower back. I'm freaking out. But like being a man, like my, here was my legitimate thought. Face down. Face is the thing. I think, well, Amber isn't saying anything. So maybe I'm just being a sissy. You know what I mean? 
but like I can't see anything. So, so I have to like legitimately just have this sort of blind faith that everything is okay. Because like I can't like lift my head and look over and be like, Amber. And she's like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, okay, cool. Couple also doesn't mean two. <laughs> you know, like it does, like I had to just like without looking piece everything together. Yes, the stones are hot. I'm talking scorching, <laughs> man. Like they, they, they heated these up in the volcano. The talking volcano from Moana cooked these stones and then put the, in fact, I didn't lift my head to look at the door. It was probably that volcano who came back into the room and gave me the rest of the massage. It was so hot. But they cooled down pretty quickly. I kept my face down and in blind faith just believed everything is going to be okay. And I made it out alive. My back is one big scar now, but I made it out alive. Have you ever had to have blind faith about something? Here's what I think about our faith in God. Some of it, yes, I will be the first to say some of our faith in God is blind, but it's not all blind faith. God is real, and it's not all blind faith. So how do we know God is real? Number one, creation. Somebody say creation. Creation points to a creator. Creation, you might want to write that down. Creation points to a creator. Romans chapter 1 verse 20, it says this. For, uh, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. There's nothing like, uh, one of my favorite things about our city, Temecula, we are goaded for sunsets, bro. Like our sunsets are so dope, right? And nothing beats like a summer night sky. It's warm out. Like it's it's eight o'clock at night, but you're in you're in jorts, you know what I mean? Like you're just enjoying life. And then the stars come out and there's no there's no clouds. Like it's gorgeous. It's like I don't know how you look up at the night sky and not believe in God. And that's what this writer in Romans is saying. Like people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see the invisible qualities, his, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Creation points to a creator. I want you to think about it like this. I want you to imagine for a moment. Everybody just close your eyes and imagine you're at the beach. That's, that's the water. <laughs> All right, now here comes the masseuse with the hot stones. Get ready. <laughs> so like... Imagine you're at the beach. You can open your eyes. Imagine you're at the beach, and you're walking up the beach, and in the sand, you just see a watch. Nobody in their right mind would walk up the beach, like that, because if they're in their right mind, and then swoop up the watch and think to themselves as they look out to the ocean, yeah, this thing probably created itself. This thing probably, that's what they're going to think. Free watch. <laughs> Free Amazon Casio, you know. Like, no, when you see watch, you think watchmaker, right? Now, here's the thing about a watch. Watch is, I don't know, like kind of complicated but fairly simplistic. And here's the thing is that if I were to give you all of the supplies necessary to create a watch, you could not build me a watch. Not without YouTube and a bunch of time and tools, right? So we are unwilling to believe that the overly simplistic can come into existence on its own, a watch. But we're willing to believe that the overly insanely complex and complicated universe did come into existence on its own. Make that make sense. Look at your neighbor say, make that make sense. 
You have all these people out there that if you were to try to tell them the pyramids or this watch created itself, oh, like people would call you crazy. They'd be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. A watch doesn't create itself. A watchmaker creates a watch. Creation didn't come into existence on its own. A creator created it. And so we're willing to believe that the overly simplistic can't come into existence on its own, but the overly complicated can. It's nonsense. Creation points to a creator. Somebody say amen. And, and so it is even with not just the whole universe, but the universe that is you. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a universe. That's like a great pickup line, by the way. <laughs> like, I just helped an eighth grader hopefully get a d- date to the dance next year or something. <laughs> um, like, you know, your body is legitimately like a universe. Like, there are hundreds of trillions of atoms and molecules and stuff in your body. And we think that we just came into existence on our own. There's a, a, a biological scientist from Wales named Frederick Coyle. And he said this. He said, your biological makeup happening on its own is about as likely as a tornado going through a junkyard and producing a 747 jumbo jet on the other side. It's not possible. It would never happen. You, me, and the universe didn't come into existence on our own. We were created intentionally by a creator. Somebody say amen. Now, here's the thing is that, is that people will try to, because remember, in, in this message, I want to also give you not just an encouragement to your faith that God is real, but some talking points for when you get into the conversations and sometimes debates and arguments with people who don't believe in God, who want to try to convince you that, uh, uh, that God's not real, right? So, so I want to give you some of those talking points. So here's one of the things that people say. No, 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 God didn't create the universe. It was like the Big Bang, Okay, so, like, I have no problem with the Big Bang Theory, right? Like, I think it was a really Big Bang when God created the universe. But the problem with the Big Bang Theory is the Big Bang Theory is not a theory of creation. It's just the theory of the creation of our universe, you know? It's like, these molecules were floating in space next to these molecules, and then they collided, and boom! Like, and then the universe! And it's like, all right, cool. Like, no problem with that. Um... Who made the molecules? Let's re- reverse engineer that a little bit more. Who made the space for the molecules to float in? And the Big Bang gives no answer to that. In fact, there isn't any scientific theory out there to explain that. Every creation account begins with creation having already been created. So it's really not a creation account at all. It's just the creation account of our universe. And so to me, I'm like, all right, well, if I just reverse engineer that, then it has to be, to me, the only logical explanation is that there has to be a creator, God. There has to be. But here's, here's one of the things that might happen in your conversation as you have a talk with somebody who doesn't believe and who wants to convince you that God's not real. They'll go, well, fine. Then who created God? They go, oh, that one's easy. Nobody. They'll be like, no, because, like, like, you have to apply the same rules that you're playing by to your own theory of God. It's like, no, 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 actually, I don't because the only logical explanation 
for creation is that the creation of our universe was created by a creator who is outside of our universe. And see, the laws of time and physics and nature that are in our universe do not apply to this God who is outside of this universe. And when you really stop and think about it, it's just about the only logical and reasonable explanation. God is real, and he really wants a relationship with you. It's so foundational and essential. It's actually pointed at in the very first, like, first book. If you got a Bible, go to the very first book, Genesis, the first chapter, one, and the first verse, also one, Genesis 1, 1. The first words in all of Scripture are this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how foundational it is. But why is it so essential? Why is God being real and being a creator so essential? Because think about the opposite. Think about the opposite. You know, basically exactly what you learned in school, like I did. You know, a long time ago in a galaxy not so far away, this nothing collided with this nothing, boom, and they created something. And that something was like, space particles. And those space particles became planets. And then on that planet, there was this goo. And then out of this goo climbed a little like cockroach. And then from that cockroach was like a fish. And the fish was like, I'm bored with the water and walked out of the water. Where'd it get its legs? I don't know. Evolution, you know? And then that fish started walking around on its legs and was like, I'm bored walking on four legs. And it started walking on two legs. Before you know it, there were like these kind of primate monkey looking things walking around. And then like billions and billions of Years later, that primate monkey is walking around downtown Temecula, walked into the barber shop, got a taper, and boom, here you are. <laughs> like, I know it sounds silly, but that's basically like the dumbed-down version of what we were all taught in school. AKA, what we were all taught in school is that you're no one who came from nothing, who's living for nothing, and going nowhere. You're no one who came from nothing who's living for nothing and going nowhere. I want you to think for a moment, who would want you to believe that you're a no one, who came from nothing, who's living for nothing, and who's going nowhere? To me, that sounds like exactly what the devil would want you to believe. Because think for a moment what an entire world, think of just a whole generation, your generation. What if your generation believed that they were a no one who came from nothing, living for nothing, who's going nowhere? How would they live if they believed that they are, they are a no one, living for nothing, going nowhere, came from nothing? How would they live? Probably exactly like the whole world's living right now. Can I tell you, you're not a no one. You're a child of God. You didn't come from nothing. God created you. You aren't going nowhere. God's prepared a place for you. It's called heaven. And we can spend eternity with him. You're not living for nothing. If God is real, then he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So don't ever believe the lie that any of that's not true. See, this is why God existing and God being a creator is so incredibly important. Because if you believe the opposite, your life will divulge into chaos. It'll be nothing but, why do you think so much of the world, why so many people feel so lost and their life is just full of darkness? They feel directionless. It's because they've yet to come face to face as the creation with their creator. 
Here's the truth. God is real, and creation is proof of that. Let's keep moving. How do we know God is real? Number two, morality. Not just creation, but morality. Here's the thing. We know right from wrong. Since we were kids, we knew right from wrong. I remember the first time I broke a dish. In, <laughs> when you grew up in the hood and you were scarce for money, breaking a dish was so scary. Like, mom, mom is going to kill me. I broke one of our four glasses in the house, right? Like, there's things that we just know intuitively are right and wrong. And people might sear their conscience, and they might run from what is right, but deep down we know what's right. Romans 2, verse 15, it says this. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts. You know that God's law is written on your heart. It's called a conscience. That's how you know what's right from wrong. For their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them. They go, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. That's really wrong, and I feel, I don't know, like kind of gross and bad for having done that. Or they tell them that they're doing right, a.k.a. you have a conscience that God has placed in you. You know right from wrong. That's called morality. Here's how an atheist would argue morality. This is the best argument because morality is a great, great argument for the existence of God. Without God, how do we have right from wrong? How do you know good from evil? How do you know what you should do and shouldn't do? Without God... There really isn't morality. And the atheist would, said, would say, no, 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 Corey. Morality, it was, it, it was just the next step in human evolution. Oh, okay. A couple things wrong with that. And by a couple, I mean two. <laughs> a couple things wrong with that. Um, number one, morality is not advantageous. You see, um, we're getting really nerdy tonight. Um, evolution... Evolution is always a, um, it always leads to a product of, of, of self-preservation, right? It's always about like survival of the fittest, you know, natural selection, getting you to survive. And morality doesn't help you to survive. Morality isn't advantageous if what you're trying to do is survive. I don't got you. Let me give you an example. All right. Dudes, like guys, gentlemen, um, here comes a really, 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 really controversial statement. You guys ready for this? Look at your neighbor. Say, y'all ready for this? Guys and girls are different. Okay. Um, so controversial. Guys and girls are different. Uh, you wouldn't think that's controversial, but it is. Guys, you know one of the ways in which God has created us? God's created us to be protectors. This is why whenever there's like a needing for protection, no matter how nerdy you might be, you're like, oh, buddy, I know a lot about the pyramids and a little bit about fighting, and I'll hurt you if you hurt that person or thing or something that's defenseless. Something rises up in a lot of guys, and it's, it's, it's for girls as well, but, like, guys are, like, kind of, it's built in us, man. Like, we're protectors. We got to protect, yeah? Um, so what would happen, guys, like all the guys in the room, just kind of follow this scenario for me. Imagine you're walking up Winchester, and you're getting right around Chaparral High. You're passing Starbucks, and that cross street there, you see um, a mom who, I don't know, mom, like, goes to tie her shoe and doesn't realize that her stroller is rolling into oncoming traffic. All the guys in the room, what are you doing? Like, I, me? I'm running after that stroller. I'm grabbing the stroller. I'm trying to save the potential baby that's in that stroller, Right? That's what I think most all of us would do. I think if I were to go down the line to all the guys and be like, dude, like if you're trying to save that stroller, like, bro, like would you still do it if it like, I don't know, like potentially puts your life in danger? I think just about all of us would be like, yes. Like I'm not thinking about what if I even said, what if I took it to the, to the 
furthest extent. There's a stroller that's like rolled into oncoming traffic. And you, as a guy, as a dude, you have the potential to save the child, the baby, that's in that stroller. You would have to run, push the stroller out of the way, but it's going to cost you your life. Would you still do it? I mean, I think the vast majority of us would be like, yeah, dude, like I have to. Like that's, that's a baby. Like that's a child. You know what that's called? That's called morality. And guess what? Morality would, in that situation, cost you your life. It's not advantageous. It's not survival of the fittest. So evolution would never, ever, ever lead to morality. In fact, it would be the opposite. So when, when people were, would try to argue with you, if you go, uh, morality points to God, and they go, no, no, morality is just a product of evolution, you tell them, uh-uh, because, I mean, morality would never, like, evolution would never lead to morality. The second reason why, like, that argument doesn't hold up, that morality is just a product of evolution, is great whites don't have morality. Follow me here. Remember I told you I'm a big nerd. I'm reading a book right now by Ocean Ramsey called Sharks. My favorite, favorite. Thank you, Dunn family. Uh, love sharks. Uh, great whites are probably my favorite of all sharks. And great whites don't have morality. Great whites also, um, they're believed to be like millions of years old. They're apex predators. Like there's nothing in the ocean subtract orcas that they're afraid of. They are like top of the food chain. And they are so much further down the evolutionary road than we are. So if morality is a product of evolution and great whites are further down the evolutionary road than we are, then why will they eat your butt without thinking twice? Now, don't get me wrong. I love sharks. Sharks are not mindless eating monsters. They are, they are super smart. They're super intelligent. And the stigma around them is crazy. But still, they are not going to, like, think of you as lunch and then go, really quick, though, like, you might have work on Monday, huh? And like that job, you're potentially providing for some people who depend on you. I'll eat somebody else. Like the seal, he doesn't have work on money. No. So if, if morality is a, a if, it's, if it's a product of evolution, why does something that's more like further down the evolutionary road than us not have morality? It doesn't make sense. There is no argument that can make sense of that. Morality exists because of one reason. God exists, and God created you, and God created me. And when he did, he placed a conscience inside each and every one of us that helps us to know right from wrong. Without God, there is no right. There is no wrong. There's no good. There's no evil. Morality becomes completely subjective, which is what a lot of the world is trying to get you to believe. Subjective morality is true. It's blah, blah, blah. Think of how terrifying subjective morality is. Subjective morality is terrifying. It's such a slippery slope. Here's how slippery that slope is. If subjective morality is real and it's true and there is no moral absolute, then you can't tell Hitler he was wrong. Well, because your truth isn't his truth. And just because you think it's right or wrong or whatever doesn't mean that he will think it's right or wrong or whatever. But the truth is, is that there is morality that was created by God. There is right. There is wrong. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. They can try to run from it. But we all know it. How do we all know it? Because God is real, and he created it, and he has put it in our hearts to know right from wrong. And if, here's why, here's why the morality topic is so important. I think it's probably one of, if not the biggest reason why people deny the existence of God. Because if God's not real, they don't have to be accountable for their actions. If God's not real, then people can do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and they never have to be responsible or accountable for their lives or their actions. 
but if God is real, then we're all accountable for our lives and our actions. So to the atheist in the room, is it possible that you've been denying God, not because you don't believe he's real, but because deep down inside, you're kind of scared of being responsible for your actions? Can I tell you, you don't have to be scared of God because God is real and God really wants a relationship with you. That's why he sent Jesus. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Band, you can start heading up as we start closing down. So how do we know God's real? Well, we know God's real because of creation. We know God's real because of morality. And the last, play, the last thing, is, it's not necessarily answering that question, but write this word down. Write down the word hope. Hope. Here's the thing. Your hope reveals your heart, and a sick heart has no hope. Your hope reveals your heart, and a sick heart has no hope. See, too often we will think that believing in God is an intellectual issue. But I say this all the time. Most people will miss God by 18 inches, the distance between their head and their heart. Belief in God isn't an intellectual issue. It's not an issue of the mind. It's an issue of the heart. That's why Psalm 14.1 says, only a fool says in their heart. Somebody say heart. Only a fool says in their heart. He didn't say head. He didn't say mind. He didn't say brain. He didn't say intellect. He said, only a fool says in their own heart that there is no God. See, this is important because sometimes when we approach the existence of God as a strictly intellectual thing, you and I will begin to try to like, I don't know, convince somebody that God's real. Like, I've done this to so many of my friends and family. Like, my brothers, people that when I got saved, I was like, you got to believe in God. Like, Jesus is real. Come on. Like, the thing is, is I cannot change somebody's heart. I might be able to change their mind. Like, you might think that, that uh, uh, I don't know, that Cane's is better than Chick-fil-A, but you're wrong, first off. And I could convince you that you're wrong. I could change your mind. I once convinced, I once convinced a young adult girl that the sky is actually purple. And the reason that we see it as blue is because it's the reflection off of the surface of the ocean. And because the ocean is, the earth is 70% water, that's why we see the sky as blue. But it's actually purple. She goes, no, that's crazy. I never knew that. I was like, it's not true. (laughs) Just because someone says something convincingly doesn't make it true, right? Like, you could change someone's mind. I could change someone's mind about stuff, but only God can change their heart. See, like, We have to become open to the fact that we can't change somebody's mind about God. And this is why this is important, because tonight um, I've I've wanted our discussion points to not just be like a message, but to be like, hey, when you, whether that's right now in junior high, in the middle of high school, or when you go off to a university or the military or work one day, and you're sitting down with people, and somehow, way, the topic of God comes up and you go, yeah, I believe in God. I put all my faith in God. And they go, God's not real. And then, boom, you're in the middle of a conversation. I hope that all of these have become talking points that you can kind of like pull out of your pocket and go to. But make no mistake, they're not arguments for the sake of being argumentative because I've never argued somebody into the kingdom. I've never had like a debate. And at the end of that debate, I go, All right, now bow your heads, close your eyes, and say this prayer with me if you want to receive Jesus. No, so like as you're having these discussions to the Christians in the room, as you're having these discussions, let the greatest hope in your heart not be to win an argument, but to lead to salvation. 
let the person across that, I don't know, coffee table or across the lunch or, I don't know, across your devices, you're on Instagram or whatever. Let your greatest goal and your greatest hope not be winning an argument, but winning a soul and getting them into the kingdom. Because you can sit there and argue with them all day. You're not going to change their heart. So when you're in those conversations, pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? You be in this conversation. Where do I go in this talk? How do I, I don't want to just prove my point. I'm not just concerned about being right. I'm concerned about their soul. That's for the Christian. While we close um, on the topic of hope, this is not only a great question for Christians to ask atheists in the room. It's also a question I want to ask every single atheist in the room. Do you hope you're wrong? Not do you think you're wrong. Do you hope you're wrong? Because there's a difference between thinking and hoping. Let me elaborate. To the atheists in the room, do you hope you're wrong? Because here's what you believe. You believe that when you die, you are dead, done, nothing, black, there's nothing else. It's darkness. It's gone. You're gone. Everybody else is gone. Everything's gone. Here's where it gets even worse, right? Like, like I'll ask, I've had this conversation with people who are married and who have kids. Say, okay, so this means that you believe that when you die, you have no chance of ever seeing your wife or your husband or your kids ever again. You'll never see your grandkids. You'll never see your friends. You'll never see your family. You'll never see no one ever again. That's what you believe? Okay. Do you hope you're wrong? Because if your response to that question would be no, no, I don't hope I'm wrong, then what you're telling me is that you hope that when you die, it's infinite nothingness and separation from everybody that you've ever loved. If you were to say, no, I don't hope I'm wrong, then you're telling me you hope that there's no chance to ever see your loved ones ever again. If that is your response, then I would say you don't have an intellectual problem. You don't, it's not an issue with your head. You have a problem with your heart. And if you were to open that heart to God, then I believe he would come in. He would then heal your heart and give you hope. So atheists, do you hope you're wrong? To all the Christians in the room, if you have a conversation with someone who doesn't believe in God, they just denies existence, just ask them, do you hope you're wrong? Because a hopeless heart is a sick heart. There's something going on in your heart where probably, it's not that you don't believe in God, you're probably mad at God. You're probably upset with him. There's probably something else going on inside. And so because of that, you've just denied God's existence. Well, here's the thing about that. Your belief in something doesn't determine its existence. Like run a stop sign, then when the cop pulls you over, just tell them, I don't believe in stop signs. You're still getting a ticket. Like give your mom attitude and then tell your mom, I don't believe I gave you attitude. You're still getting whooped or grounded or your Tesla's getting taken away, depending on how you got raised. <laughs> Like your belief in something doesn't determine its existence. Can I tell you, young person, God, God is real. Whether you believe in him or not, God is real. And he really wants to have a relationship with you. James 2.19, it says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even demons believe that. See, just belief in God isn't enough. We need to put our faith in him 
and have a relationship with him. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, I pray tonight we would put all of our faith in you. I pray tonight, looking at creation, knowing that points to you as a creator, even the fact that we know right from wrong, that points to you. God, we could go, we could go on and on, but God, like you are so real. And I pray every heart in this room would be convinced, not by me, but by your Holy Spirit, that you are real and that you really want a relationship with us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you would say, yeah, Corey, like that is totally me. I didn't really believe in God or, or maybe you're like, I, I kind of did, but I had some doubts. Like, like I had the belief, but I've never had a relationship with him. Like I, I, I knew he was real, but I didn't know he really wants a relationship with me. And now knowing that, I want a relationship with him. If that's you, either one of those. Can I tell you, right here tonight, God is so ready to begin a relationship with you. If you've messed up, if you've sinned, can I tell you, you don't have to be afraid of God. He sent Jesus. This is, I was asked today, how is our faith different from everybody else's faith? Here's how. Every other religion is man trying to get to God. Our faith is that God came to man through Jesus. He came, he died for our sins to make a way, to build a bridge between us and him so that we can have a relationship with him. All we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is respond to receive salvation from Jesus Christ and enter into this relationship with this God who is so very real. So if you want that relationship tonight, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand. You could put it right back down. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Man, that's so cool. You can put your hands right back down. Hey, I'm proud of you. That's the best decision you can make with your life. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. Um, I know for some of you, you're probably thinking, oh, Corey, like I've never prayed before. And that's okay. It's just talking to God, and we're a family here, so we pray together. So I'm actually going to give you the words. Would you repeat these simple words right after me? Everybody say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. And good thing, because that plane is headed. <laughs> Dude, some of those planes get scary, bro. They get so loud. Hey, if you just made that decision, that is the best decision you could ever make with your life. We want to say thank you. Welcome to the family. Proud of you. Man, I promise you this. That is one decision you will never, ever regret. Hey, we want to walk this journey out with you. That plane was so loud. We want to walk this journey out with you with something that we call the next seven days. It's a simple tool of free gifts for you that will just help answer some of the questions that you might have. And we'll connect you with a leader. You get a really easy way. Just DM us uh, on our Instagram, at bridgeYTH underscore. DM us the words next seven, and we will handle the rest. So just DM us the words. If you don't have Instagram, no worries. Talk to me, talk to Pastor Amber, talk to any one of our leaders. We'll get you the next seven days in another way. Hey, one more time. Can we welcome people into God's family? Hey, um, I'm going to sit down with you guys for a second because I want to kind of end this in a, in a unique way. We're going to get into worship in just a moment. But um, the pyramids are such a mystery, and I think that's what I love the most about them. <laughs> Um, God is such a mystery. And I think that that's what I love the most about him.
God is so magnificent that our little human brains could never fully comprehend him. Like if we could, Amber says this all the time, if we could comprehend God and understand God, then he wouldn't be God. And I think that that's one of my favorite things about him is that he's so like uncomprehensible. Is that a word? Um, But just because we don't fully comprehend or understand God doesn't mean that we should take his very existence, throw it out the window and pretend like he doesn't exist altogether. We don't do that with the pyramids. Why would we do that with God? But rather, here's my hope tonight. My hope is that you would never, ever stop having your mind be blown by the fact that God, universe-creating God, the God that when he spoke in the beginning of time, the sun came out his mouth. The God who, who knows everything, not just about you, but about everybody who's ever lived. He knows every single thing that every single person has ever thought, done, imagined, considered, all of it. You want to know something crazy? This, this blows my mind. This is the mystery of God, right? God is outside of time. God is not confined by time. So God's right here with us right now. Scripture says wherever two or more are gathered in his name, God is with them in their midst. So God's here right now. But because God is not confined by time, God's both here right now, and he's currently with you at the day of your birth. He's also right next to you at the day of your death, right now, because he's not within time. I don't understand that. Me neither. That's God. God doesn't have a birthday. Anybody else, like when you think about eternity, you get a bit overwhelmed. You're like, whoa. That's like a really long time. No, it's not a really long time. It's not time at all. I'm like perfectly okay with eternity, like now to like that way, like from now to forever. But like, what about eternity that way? What's up, worship team? <laughs> you guys are all here with me. <laughs> um, like there's no beginning for God. Like you have a birthday. God doesn't have a birthday. He's just always been. that's crazy that's God God's everywhere all at once he's here right now he's on the other side of the world right now too that that doesn't make sense right like that's just God and God wants a relationship with you Not just does he want a relationship with you, like some type of religious, like, I don't know, I read my Bible every morning, and then I check it off the little Bible app thing, and then, and then, I, and then I sing a worship song, and then I do the rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Like, no, 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 like, God wants to be physically, physically close to you. Scripture talks about how God is a proximity God. But he's the God, our Father who are in heaven. God's in heaven. Right, God is in heaven. And he's also right here, right now. And he wants moments with you. Dude, is that mind-blowing to anybody else? Does that get anybody else like, dude, that's crazy. My hope is that'll never get boring to you. That'll never get regular to you. That'll never just be the new norm. 
Like, yeah, God. Like, like, <laughs> think what you want about the Biebs. But if Justin Bieber wanted, if Justice Bieber wanted to, what's Justice Bieber? He's a crime-fighting Bieber. If he wanted to have lunch with you, like he called you by name. I'm like two relationships away from the Justice Bieber. You know, I have a friend who's a youth pastor for his, the guy who he says is his pastor, right? So I'm like, oh, dude, like it could very well be that one day I'm in the same room as the Justice Bieber. And what if I came to you next week and I was like, dude, I had lunch with the Justice Bieber. <laughs> I'm going to call him Justin Bieber just in case I ever actually meet him. He's like, bro, what's up with the Justice Bieber thing? Like, the office. You have to watch the office. And what if I was like, oh, dude, yeah, while I was at lunch with Justin Bieber, Justin was like, dude, can you let Kaylee know that I want to have, like, I'd love to meet her. Like, I'll, I want to take her to lunch. I'm, I'm paying. It's on. So, you know, lunch is going to be good if Justin's paying. Like, if he called any of you out by name, said, oh, I really want to, like, just sit down and talk with you, Preston. Like, even as a dude, I'd be like, dude, Justin wants to talk with me? That's sick. <laughs> We'd feel so special and honored. God, the creator of the, the one who created Justin Bieber, wants to have a moment with you. God, I hope that never gets boring to me. I hope that never gets regular to me. I hope I never become jaded or complacent about that. That in the infinite span of not time, because he's outside of time, not the infinite span of the universe, because he's even outside of the universe somehow, but in the, inf the infinite span of everything that's ever existed, God goes, I want a moment with you. I want to hang out with you. What's bothering you? What are you super stoked about? What are your dreams? What are your anxieties and your worries? What are your hopes for your life? What are you scared of? What's bothering you? What, what Netflix series are you watching right now? <laughs> God wants those moments with us, and I pray to God that never gets boring for you. In a moment, we're going to worship. And scripture says how God is enthroned on the praises of his people. God shows up when we worship him. This God of the universe who is so real and really wants a relationship with you. He wants to be close and he's about to be right now. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? Would you head to the front? Nobody distracting anybody while I pray. God, I pray that this never gets boring to us or, or normal. God, I pray that never, ever, ever do we get to the place where it's just like, yeah, you know, God, he wants to be close to me. Oh, Jesus died on the cross. God, I pray that that's never our heart. I pray it never stops blowing our mind that you want to be near, that you want to be close, that you want to talk with us. You want us to talk with you. You want this real proximity relationship with us. God, I pray that that would never cease to amaze us. God, that we would constantly live in a state of awe and wonder over you, the mysteries about you, the, the, the magnitude, how incredible you are, how powerful you are, how big you are, the creator God that you are. And God, that in all things, like Hebrews eleven six 6 says, that when we come to you, we'd come knowing you exist and that we would seek you. So I pray in this moment right now with all our hearts that we would seek you. 
Students, would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Would you, if you're comfortable, just lift your hands all across this place. Creator God is in this place, seeking a moment with you. Seek him and worship him right now. God, we worship you. We honor you. We praise you. You're so good, God. We love you, Lord. Bless you, God. Bless you. This is my 
for you. We thank you for everything that you are doing in this room and every heart that you are here and you are present in this place, Lord. We worship you today.
I, I just feel like right now it's just a, it's such a peaceful presence right now. And the thing that it reminds me of is when I first gave my life to Christ and I was 19 years old, I grew up in church. I had no problem, no issue at all with believing in God, believing in the existence of God, but I never made that personal decision for myself until I was 19. And I remember so distinctly that night being in our youth group room towards the end of service and in the middle of response time, I remember a guy that I met that day comes up to me and starts praying for me. And I knew that it was God because he started praying for me about things that I didn't tell anybody. And he starts praying over me. And within that moment, I just felt like I was living out this song what we were just singing right now, where I just said, okay, God, if you're on my heart, you got it. God, if you want my life, you got it. God, if you want my yes, you got it. If you want my dreams, you got it. If you want, if you want everything that I have, yes, Lord, you, you can have it. What Corey said tonight was God is real and he really wants a relationship with you. And that night, everything changed for me. And it, and it didn't change because of anything that I did, but it was all God. And the amazing part is, is that when you look at creation and when you look at Genesis, is that humanity, you and I, we were made in the image of God. And we were all designed and created to be in relationship with God. And I just think it's so amazing that when we actually get into that relationship with God, it almost feels like something in us becomes whole. It almost feels like that we were missing something that we had no idea that we were missing. And nine years ago is when I had that thing that I thought was missing finally be fulfilled. And for some of you, you made that decision tonight. And for some of you, you might have come into this place with one idea or with, you know, one side of your heart hardened, but maybe God softened your heart tonight. Maybe you haven't fully committed your life to Christ, but I believe in Jesus' name that you will. And it just hasn't happened yet. But I really feel like for, for us, just within a moment like this, it's so important for us to realize, man, how amazing God really is. And, and, and how perfect he is in, in planning out everything and, and what it took for you to be here tonight and, and all the things that you left at home and, and for you to be here tonight, for some of you, it was, a, it was a miracle. The same way that it was a miracle for me to be in that room at that time nine years ago for me to give my life to Christ and just how amazing that that really is. And, and like I said, for some of you, you gave your life to Christ tonight. And, and can I just let you know that the rest of your life is going to be so different than how it was before because you got Jesus living inside of you. And it's such an amazing, perfect decision that you just made tonight. And we want to be with you as you go through those decision-making process. Because I'm sure that you have a lot of questions. I'm sure you have a lot of things going through your mind in terms of what's next and what does this actually look like for me. We have a free resource that we want to give you guys called The Next Seven Days. It's a really easy way to get it. All you have to do is DM us on Instagram at bridgeYTH underscore. Just DM us next seven and we will give you that free resource. We'd like to celebrate with you guys also. So can we make some noise for everybody who gave their life to Christ tonight? Hey, just a few more things, uh, and before I jump into them, do not worry, we're about to jump into another 
song of worship, and it's not going to be uh, anything slow. It's going to be hype. We're going to be jumping. We're going to be celebrating uh, those people who gave their life to Christ tonight. But before we do that, um, first and foremost, we have an awesome event coming up on Friday. Someone say Friday. This Friday, our church is doing an awesome thing called Summer Nights. And if maybe you've already heard of it, maybe this is your first time ever hearing about it, we're gonna be having a movie night on Friday starting at 6.30. It's an awesome opportunity for you to invite your friends, family members, because we're gonna be watching the brand new Super Mario Brothers movie. Maybe you've already seen it, maybe you haven't. I hear it's a great movie, so come out for that. Popcorn is gonna be free. We're gonna have candy and drinks available for purchase also. As well as Wednesdays are not the only time that we have service or church. We also have uh, Sunday services as well. We have connect groups kicking off on uh, the second service, which is at 1130 a.m. So if you're a part of a connect group, can you make some noise right now? Which means for everybody who did not make some noise, you can see how awesome connect groups really are. So come by on this Sunday to get plugged into a connect group. Bridge Youth, we love y'all. We will see you guys on Sunday. But before that, let's get back into worship. Come on, Bridget, you clap those hands. This is real love, this is real love. 